hear these words from Isaiah. At this point, Isaiah is in the temple and has witnessed the full glory of the Lord in the presence of the seraphim who are singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me.
Good morning. Welcome to all you here today that have braved the snowy weather, and welcome also to all those on Facebook and those listening to us on T102. Got just a few announcements this morning before we start our worship service. The annual report for 2021 is available at the entrances and the info center. The annual meeting to elect officers hear reports from the trustees, the treasurer, the committees, and to approve the proposed 22 budget will be held today after the 9 a.m. worship service. This meeting we will also discuss and vote on the proposed updates and revisions to the First Church Constitution and bylaws. If you're a member of the church, we ask that you stay for the meeting. There's no Sunday school or confirmation today. Child care will be available in the ministry center during the meeting. If you are also on the list to make meals for funerals, please check the clipboard at the info center and update your contact information. One last uh, announcement this morning is uh, Bill Tostrick from New Bremen passed away yesterday. His viewing is Thursday at St. Paul's Church in New Bremen from 9 to 11 with the funeral to follow at 11. And also need to uh, ask Tori to come forward this morning for an upcoming women's event. Good morning. So this is for all First Church ladies. Uh, We are going to host the IF Gathering this year. And the IF Gathering is a two-day, kind of day and a half event uh, for all women of all life stages. And at this event, you will hear, it's a simulcast, again, kind of like the mom event was. Um, And at this event, you're going to hear from amazing speakers like Jenny Allen, Jackie Hill Perry, Christine Kane, and a lot, lot more. Um, And the entire event is centered on how do we live in the world today as women? How do we find community? How do we build each other up um, and tell people about Jesus? So the IF Gathering is on March 4th and 5th. And in your bulletin, there's like a whole half-page thing about the IF Gathering. Registration is $10.00. You can either register online on our Facebook page um, or through our Facebook page, or you can talk to Allie Bucklin or myself, and we'll get you registered uh, after the service. So please register by the end of February, and we're looking forward to this and can't wait to see how God moves at the IF Gathering this year. Thank you. Now, if we could, I would ask all those that can to stand and join me in the call to worship. Today's call to worship. The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim, let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in his sight, he is the Lord over all nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name, he is holy. The king is mighty, he loves justice. You have established equity. In Jacob you have done what is just and right. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. He kept his statues and decrees he gave them. Lord our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord our God, and worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord our God is holy. Now we would ask you to rise. And join in our praise songs, one only a holy God and the Revelation song.
worship and honor you, Lord. With all creation, we will sing. You are holy. There is none like you, Lord God. may be seated at this time. We will invite all the children to come forward for a children's chat with Mrs. Lammers. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. All right. Okay, Miles, come sit up here, dude. Excellent. All right. Do you think we have anybody coming from upstairs today? Maybe, maybe not. Anybody know what this thing is called? It's called a flannel board. Have you ever seen a flannel board before? No. No? You remember it from preschool? Oh, good. You know what? I bet your grandmas and grandpas remember flannel boards. I actually saw one. I have... A big board that's a colored board, and a and one of those on the back, and a kettle board on the front. Gotcha. All right. So, so, what's it doing outside right now? It's snowing. It's snowing. And what, what do we like to do when it's snowing out? What could we build? Snowman. A snowman and. I know you guys made a big igloo last year. Yep. Well, today we're talking about building a snowman, but not just any snowman. This snowman has special meaning, okay? So that when you build your next snowman, okay, you can think about this, all right? So, how many round balls does a snowman have? Three. Have you ever heard of. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Spirit. How many is that? Three. Watch this. When you see a snowman, three round snowballs, he is reminding you that in God, three in one are found. The bottom reminds us of God the Father, a strong rock and foundation. See that biggest snowball? It's the biggest one, isn't it? It's got to hold up the rest of it, like like the cornerstone, like we've been talking about. The creator of all living things, peoples, tribes, and nations. The middle snowball, with his arms open wide. Hold on, I've got to get my arms on. Who died on the cross for each of us, our our sins Jesus' blood did hide. So this is God the Father. This is Jesus with his arms open wide who died on the cross for us. And the head reminds us of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is like our counselor and our friend. It's that little voice in our head. That sometimes says, yeah, that's not really the best idea. Okay? He speaks to our hearts and minds and transforms us in the likeness of him. So, when we see a snowman, and maybe we can build one later today, in the midst of all the wintertime fun, listen carefully and he'll tell you, remember, God is three in one. So, it is God the... Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Look at that. That's pretty cool. So every time you see a snowman, you can think about that. How a snowman is like the three-in-one of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I thought that was pretty cool. All right, should we pray? 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing these children with us here today, eager to learn and wanting to know you. Be with us as you provide snow for us. Keep us safe. Keep us healthy. Amen. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back to your seats. Thank you, Miss Maria, for our lesson this morning. Our offering this morning goes to the support the Auglaize County Crisis Center and the Auglaize County Group Home. Uh, those are ministries that we've supported for, for a long time, and so your offering today will go to support those. As you feel led to give this morning, I encourage you to give towards that. Uh, one more note here just for logistics sake too, just a reminder that we do have our annual meeting uh, after the service today. Um, if you did not pick up a report or did not pick up a copy of the proposed updates to the Constitution and bylaws, there will be copies of those um, on the front pews here of the service. So as the service concludes and we have a few minutes to kind of transition from the service of worship to the meeting, um, if you do not have a copy of those, you'll be able to find some copies on the front pews after the service is over. Uh, with that being said, I want to invite the deacons to come forward to collect the offering and encourage you to listen as the choir blesses us with special music.
seated. I think it's always good to take a moment and remind ourselves kind of why we do what we do and an opportunity this week to, to think about the doxology, that song that we just sang. And, and the reason why we do that or, or other songs during that time is because when we collect that offering, it really is an act of worship for us to, to give back to God and to praise him through the resources that he has provided for us. And so the reason we do that as part of the service is because it gives us an opportunity to thank him. The word doxology literally means a word of praise. Uh, it's a, an opportunity for us to thank him and praise him for all that he's done for us and, and acknowledge that even our offering, even our our giving back to God is an act of worship and praise to our creator and the one who ultimately provides for us. And it's a reminder too about what we do after the service during the annual meeting as well. You know, that's a, it's the business side of being part of a congregational church, right? That we have to review and approve uh, things like the financial report and the budget and other reports like that, as well as, you know, a unique situation this year with the constitution and bylaws, but, but that in and of itself, too, is an act of worship as well. You know, we are in doing that as part of our annual meeting. We are, we are being good stewards of the resources that God has provided for us as a church. And so um, I want to encourage you to think about it that way as well, that what we do on the annual meeting and other meetings like that, like consistory and stuff, those are acts of worship as well. It's opportunities for us to to wisely steward the resources that God has given us as a church as a way to honor him and glorify him. So with that in mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him for his blessing, not just on our service now here in this place, but also for our meeting after the service is done. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you are a God who is always worthy of our praise. Um, whether it's through through music and lifting up our voices together in song, or whether it's through an offering as a way to give back to you and acknowledge, Lord, that you are the ultimate provider. Lord, as we gather here in this place as your church family, or, or listening on the radio or streaming online, Lord, those are all, uh, we are here, Lord, to, to praise you and to worship you. And may that be our focus in everything we do, from the, the music to the prayers to the offering, to the sermon, Lord. May it all be used to glorify you. And Lord, as we gather as a church family this day to, uh, to do the business of your church, to be uh, for our annual meeting, we ask that that too would be an extension of our worship, that, that you would be honored and glorified in the, in the decisions that we make, in the, in the way that we steward, Lord, the resources that you have provided, in the way that we gather together as your body under with one purpose and one goal in mind, Lord, and that is to serve you, uh, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Lord, you are worthy of our praise because you are holy. Uh, you are you are so uh, righteous and good and and so beyond, Lord, what are, we are able to to comprehend and understand ourselves. And that's why we thank you for your word, where you have made yourself known to us, that we can know you, we can love you, and we can serve you because you have made yourself known through your word, and ultimately, Lord, through your son, Jesus Christ, who is the exact representation of your being. And so we gather here together to worship you and pray that our lives, Lord, are not not always perfect, that we need you, Lord, uh, for, for our salvation, but we also need you, Lord, in, in the everyday matters of our lives. There are people who are sick who need healing. There are people who are in need who need your provision. There are relationships that are broken that only you can restore. And so we ask that your spirit would move and provide in all of these areas, Lord, the ones that are represented in our bulletin, but also, Lord, in each one of our lives where we carry maybe unspoken um, concerns and burdens that only we know about, Lord, may you guide us and provide for us in those situations as well. And Lord, may you continue to mold us and shape us into your people, that we may be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen people, your special possession, that we may declare your goodness 
of how you have brought us out of the darkness and into your marvelous light. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you have your bulletins, uh, our scripture reading is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 25. They are printed there. I also want to encourage you, if you have a, your own Bible with you, to open up your Bible and follow along there. Um, there's something just helpful about seeing God's Word um, in your own Bible and being able to follow along there. Um, that, is, that is good and helpful. So I encourage you to do that if you have a Bible of your own with you today. But we are going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 11. This is the word of the Lord. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong, and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom to cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you do suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For if, we, if you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the reading of your word. And as we take time this morning to... to study it, uh, to reflect on it. May you open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And may you give me the words to speak. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So before we jump in here right away, I do want to just thank Tori for filling in for me last week. Um, I, I had to laugh at home as I was watching the service on Facebook about your story about the phone calls, because I was in your position too as a youth pastor, and I know exactly what you mean. And I couldn't help but think of uh, a couple weekends ago, um, I think it was actually New Year's Day, in fact, it was a Saturday morning and, and um, I was looking through my phone and the contacts to try to call somebody, it was like seven o'clock in the morning. And I accidentally hit Tori's name instead of the person I was looking for. And you know, when you have that moment of panic and you try to hang up before it actually, the call goes out. I was hoping I did that. I think it was within a minute, Tori goes, what do you need? <laughs> she, she knew what a Saturday morning phone call could mean. And so I had to tell her, I said, no, don't worry. I wasn't trying to call you. And then a couple weeks later, it happened. Um, but thank you for filling in. And, and your message was, was spot on and looking forward to hear what else God is placing on your heart about Ephesians chapter six. But for today, we're going to be back in first Peter looking here at chapter two, verses 11 through 25. And I want to just kind of recap for just briefly how we got here so far. We've, we've had a few sermons and looking at the first chapter and a half of 1 Peter. And so far, Peter has emphasized that God's people are called to be holy, that they are a royal peace, priesthood, a chosen people, God's special possession. And, they, and so as God's special possession, they are called to live like it. Consequently, they... They are to live as foreigners and exiles because the world that we live in is fallen and broken. So if we're called to live as holy people in a fallen world, we're going to be 
different. There's going to be something different about us. But the question remains then, as foreigners and exiles, how do God's people relate to that fallen culture around them? And that's exactly the question that Peter answers here in the second half of chapter 2. And it's an issue that's just as relative now as it was 2,000 years ago to the people in Asia Minor that Peter was writing to. Christians are people that live, uh, live with feet in two different worlds. They're, in one sense, we are, we are citizens of God's kingdom. In a very real sense, we are citizens of God's kingdom. So we have one foot in God's kingdom, in his world, right? And we're trying to live in light of that. But at the same time, we can't ignore the fact that we still live in a broken and fallen world. And we have to deal with the realities of that world that we live in. And so in one way, we are citizens of this world, trying to learn how to navigate the realities and the circumstances that we find ourselves in. But at the same time, and just as importantly, we have our foot firmly planted in God's kingdom. And so the question that we have to talk about today is how do those two things relate? What does it mean for us to live faithfully in relation to the world that we live in? How do we stand firm on Christ and his kingdom while also acknowledging the realities of this world? Well, Jesus himself gave us an example, right? When, when he was being questioned before Pilate, right? He was being accused of being the king of the Jews. And Pilate asked us, you know, are you a king then? You know, in essence, he says, where's your kingdom if you're a king? And Jesus responds, my kingdom is not of this world, right? Jesus acknowledges that his kingdom, his authority is not like the worlds that we live in. It's somewhat different, but yet his kingdom is still just as real, if not more real than the kingdoms of this world. And so in this section, Peter tells us readers that Christians can honor God by living righteously in relation to human authorities. Let me say that again. Christians can honor God by righteously, uh, by, by righteously submitting to human authorities. Now, I need to define something here for us real quick. You, you know, I say righteously submitting. I didn't say always submitting. I didn't say submitting without any exceptions. I said righteously submitting. I think we see here in this passage what Peter, what I mean by that is Peter, Peter uh, uh, explains it to us. We submit righteously to honor God. And, and righteousness in Scripture has, a two, has two dimensions to it. On one hand, it's about right behavior, you know, doing the right thing. And, and so you can be considered righteous for doing the right thing. You can also be considered righteous in terms of how you relate to other people. It's a term that's used to describe our standing with God because of Jesus Christ. We are righteous with, in, in God's sight because of that, what, God, what Jesus has done for us. And so, so there's uh, two dimensions there. It's, it's not just our behavior, but it's how we relate to the, to the world around us and the human authorities and structures and institutions that are there. And I'm sure that statement then stirs up some immediate questions, and not the least of them being why, how, and when is righteously submitting to human authorities honoring to God. And Peter addresses each one of those concerns here in this passage. So let's take a look at each of them in turn. The first question is why? And the answer that I think Peter provides here is that Christians can submit to human authority as a way to honor God and be a witness to the world. Throughout this passage, Peter uses terms like for the Lord's sake, it is God's will. We are called to live as slaves to God. It's an idea that he reiterates throughout this section. In other words, when we honor the human authorities in our lives, whatever they may be, we can do it in a way that honors God as a way to honor the Lord. And the reason that that is honoring to God is because ultimately Jesus Christ has all authority and he is the one that is ultimately in charge. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus tells his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority, not just some, not just in matters of the spiritual life or the church. Jesus says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And Paul in Colossians 1 spells that out for us in a, in a different way. He says, for in him, speaking of Christ, all things were created Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him 
and for him. So in other words, Jesus Christ has all the authority. So, so one way that we can honor his authority is by honoring and submitting righteously to the authorities that God has put in place. And so that leads us to our next point, recognizing that all human authority is subject to God's authority, whether it's governments, whether it's human institutions, whether it's the workplace, whether it's the church, right? All authority, all human authority is subject to God's authority. Romans 13 reminds us that every human authority is ordained by God. It's put in place by him. And so there's a hierarchy to the authority that we experience in this world. There's different realms of authority, if you will. You know, whether we're talking about the government or the workplace or the church, right? There's different ways that we relate to in those different realms. But ultimately, God is at the top of that hierarchy, Now, we need to pause to address, you know, maybe the elephant in the room if you're paying close attention to the scripture reading today. In 1 Peter 2, as well as other passages in scripture, right, the authors deal with the issue of slavery, right? Peter is directly addressing slaves or household servants, as maybe some translations put it. He's directly addressing them and their situation, right? First, it's important for us to note that the system of slavery that existed in Peter's day was very different than what existed in our country up until the mid-19th century. And so there's, it's, it's not exactly apples to apples or oranges to oranges. But it's also important to note that P- Peter neither condemns nor condones that practice, right? He's not, his intent in First Peter chapter 2 is not to write a treatise on the moral value of slavery, He's simply writing to slaves as brothers and sisters in Christ, addressing the very real circumstances and their very real need. In the same way, right, Peter doesn't rail against the evils of the totalitarian rule of Caesar. Right? He does not suggest that the average citizen should have a voice in government and doesn't argue for equal representation. No, he just encourages the audience to live faithfully in the situation in which they found themselves. And so, church, we're going to find ourselves sometimes in situations that are less than ideal, but at the same time are completely out of our control, just as the slaves did in this situation, just as the the citizens and non-citizens of the Roman Empire did under Caesar's reign. And we're going to, the, the bottom line is that we're going to have to, as Christians, learn to navigate it faithfully. And that's why it's important to stay rooted in our faith so that we can stand firm in any and every circumstance. And the other thing to note then, too, is that just because God has instituted every human authority does not mean that every human authority is right and just and good. Right. Peter, even in these words here, acknowledges that some of these situations are going to lead to unjust suffering and cruel masters. So Peter acknowledges that that though these authorities are real and he calls us to submit to them for the Lord's sake, that doesn't mean they're good. It doesn't mean they're always right. But he acknowledges that they are real. Sometimes, you know, human authorities will line up with what is revealed in God's word. Almost every civilized society has rules against murder and theft, things that are codified for us in not just secular law, but also in the Ten Commandments. But sometimes there's going to be things that are that are that don't line up with what is revealed in God's word. Right? Just because something is legal does not mean that it is right and good. And just because something is illegal does not mean that it is bad. Right? Think of how we support missionaries who oftentimes are working in areas where it is illegal to teach about Christ. Think of missionaries who sometimes smuggle Bibles right into places where it is illegal to take a Bible into. So from a, from a human authority standpoint, right, they are doing what is wrong, but they are doing their, their living subject to a higher authority, which is Christ. Ultimately, we need to follow, learn to follow the principle that Jesus outlined for us when he was asked about paying taxes to Caesar. You recall this conversation, the religious leaders were trying to trick Jesus and get him to say something that would get him in trouble. And so they asked about paying taxes to Caesar, and Jesus asked them to produce a coin. They do. And they say, well, whose image is on the coin? And they say, Caesar's, of course. And he says, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Right? In other words, Jesus wasn't, wasn't refuting human authority, but he was recognizing the limitations of it. Right? It was Caesar's image that was on the coin. But you know whose image is on you? God's image. 
Human authorities have their place and they have their limits. But those, lim- they, they, those limits are real, right? And they, we need to remember that. I don't think it, is, it is God's image that is on you. One more thing about the why before we move on, right? We need to remember that one of the reasons that God calls us to submit is so that we can be a witness in a pagan or may I say secular society. Notice that Peter expects the, the Christians that are reading his letter to be living among the pagans, right? He's not expecting them to create their own separate society, their own separate system, but that they are living among the pagans. And as, he do, as they do so, Peter encourages them to live godly lives. And one of the reasons for that is so that they may glorify God when he, when he visits. In other words, when, when Jesus returns, they will acknowledge God for who he is. Our lives point people to Christ. The way we conduct ourselves is a testimony, is a witness to God's character and his goodness. So my question for you is, well, two questions. One is, who has God placed in your life that you can be a witness to? Whether maybe it's in your workplace, God has placed people around you so that you can be a witness to them. And then the second question is, where, what kind of witness are you? Right? Are you pointing people towards Christ? Does your life reflect the love and the grace of Jesus? His righteousness, His holiness, His justice. When people look at you, can they see Christ shining through? That's one of the reasons why we, we learn to relate righteously to the human authorities around us so that we may be a good witness for God. The second then is the how. How are Christians called to do this. Well, Christians can submit to human authority by living righteously and doing everything as if they were doing it to the Lord. Notice here, Peter does talk about the good behavior, right? That, that we are called to live like Christ and live worthy of the calling that we've received. So in other words, we're called to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord. And we do it so that we can be a witness in that pagan or secular society. He says to wage war against the sin in our lives, right? We are called to, you know, we're going to continue as as Christians to struggle with sin. We're not going to be perfect, but in Christ, we can learn to say no to sin. And in Christ, we can know that when we do fall short, which will happen, God's grace will cover those sins for us. And so he calls them to to live righteously among the pagans. And and later in verse 17, he he says to honor every... um, Excuse me. He says to show proper respect to everyone, to love the family of believers, to fear God, to honor the emperor. Right? We're called to treat everyone with dignity and respect. We're called to show special care and concern and love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And yes, we are called to give honor and respect where it is due, even to human authorities. Christians cannot worship the emperor or any other human authority, but we can respect them. And it's all done out of reverent fear. God. Paul elsewhere talks about how we are called to do everything for the Lord's sake. And I think that's a principle that helps us live that out here. He says, don't use your freedom in Christ. uh, Excuse me. Don't use your freedom in Christ to either gratify your own sinful desires or simply to be, and I'll put this bluntly, to be a jerk to people that we disagree with, right? We're called to treat others with dignity and respect. And do so as a way to honor the Lord. Right? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And that includes, whatever you do, right, includes how we live in this world. Whether it's at work or uh, in relation to other human authorities that we find ourselves having to relate to. Right? We're called to do so in a way that honors God. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. And so the last thing, the last question we have to ask ourselves is when. So we we talked about why we submit to human authorities according to this passage. And that is we do it for the Lord's sake because he is the one who has all authority. We talked about the how, which is to live righteously, right? Be a witness to do it for God. 
The last thing we need to talk about then is the when. And I want to submit that Christians can submit to human authority when it does not contradict our faith. Remember, God is the ultimate authority. His word is our ultimate authority for faith and practice. And so we can submit to human authority when it does not then contradict with our faith. And we can even submit to unjust or cruel authorities, ones that we don't agree with, ones that maybe make our life more difficult at times. Because that's exactly what, what is happening for some of these people that Peter is writing to, right? These, these slaves who are having to deal with these unjust and cruel masters. And it's also the same thing that Christ himself experienced. Like Jesus, Christians right, should be willing, can be willing to suffer for doing good. Because ultimately, God will vindicate his people. His truth will win out and the gospel will prevail. Right? This kind of thing that Peter's talking about here is not just when it's convenient for us. It's an all-of-life commitment. Right? He says, what good is it to suffer when you deserve it? Right? That doesn't do anybody any good. But he talks here about submitting even under unjust or cruel masters and suffering for doing good. But again, we, the, the keeping in mind that Christ is that ultimate authority. Two examples from Scripture, I think, help highlight this for us. And they're both from the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6, there's an edict that goes out that no one is allowed to pray to anyone except, except uh, uh, the ruler of Persia. And Daniel, being a faithful, faithful follower of Yahweh, goes and prays in his room. And in chapter 6, verse 10, it says he does so as was his custom. In other words, it was, it was a regular part of his life. It was something that he always had done. And he just continued to do it. And of course, you know, he didn't flaunt it. He didn't go out of his way to get noticed. He went into his room and prayed just as he always had done. And of course, he was found out. And this is where the story of Daniel in the lion's den comes in, where he is thrown into the lion's den and God protects him and preserves his life. The second story also from Daniel, from Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were called to bow down and worship this golden statue. Everybody else was doing it. Everybody else was bowing down and worshiping the statue, but those three men refused to do so, even under the threat of, of death. And the thing about that story that, that really, really is, is powerful is that, is that they refused to, they knew that they were going to be thrown in that fiery furnace, right? They believed and trusted that God would rescue them even from that. But they tell the emperor, they say, look, even if God doesn't rescue us, we're still not going to bow down and worship. Right? They understood where all true authority comes from, and they knew what really mattered. Right? The bottom line of these stories is that both continued to follow the Lord, and neither went out of their way looking for trouble. But when trouble did find them, they didn't compromise their beliefs. They stood strong in what they believed. Peter here then, of course, gives Jesus as that perfect example. Right? Christians have nothing to fear because Jesus himself Excuse me, Jesus humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. There's nothing in this world that can separate us from God's love in Christ because of what he's done for us. And even the troubles that we do face, whatever, whatever uh, hardship may come, whatever unjust suffering may happen, even those troubles are considered light and momentary compared to the eternal glory that awaits for us in Christ. He is our shepherd. He is our overseer. He watches over us and guides us. And because this is true, and this is my last point here, because this is true, because Jesus died for us, because Jesus rescues us from our sin, because Jesus himself suffered unjustly, even as he was submitting himself to the point of death on the cross, we too can do it. Because this is true, I can submit and obey human authority as long as it does not violate my faith. And when I do, we do it, I do it for the Lord's sake. 
and do it as if we are submitting and obeying him. And second, we always and all live such lives that people look at you and they see Christ. May our lives, all of our lives, be a testimony to God's character and grace so that even though they accuse us of doing wrong, they glorify God on the day that he visits. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this word that you have given us this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you would teach us what it truly means to to submit for your sake, Lord. And how give us the courage and faith to stand firmly on your word as we ultimately submit to you as our Lord and Savior. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service today, I want to encourage you to stand if you're able and sing with us hymn number 372, Living for Jesus.
Just a few quick reminders before the benediction. We will be having our annual meeting. Uh, we'll have a few minutes of transition time. Uh, families with young children. Uh, there is child care in the big room in the ministry center next door. So we'll give you a few minutes if you need to bring your kids over there and get back here before the meeting starts. Um, also, if you are a guest or visitor with us today and not a, a member of the church, we are so thankful that you decided to join us today. Uh, if you'd like to stick around for an annual business meeting and see what that's like, you are welcome to, but I expect that some of you will not. Uh, so thank you for being with us today. We're so glad that you decided to worship with us this morning. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace. Thank you.